1: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I am joined by my champion co-host. Also, a ch- She's a champion of co-hosting, but she's also a champion of Challenge Puerto Veras. I think that's the city. I kept calling it Challenge Chile for myself in my mind. All that weekend. works. But Haley Tura, welcome back to the United States. It looked like your travels back home were a little bit easier than your travels out to chile and i'm like so excited to hear all of the all of the stories from this whole event so i do i think we're gonna well let's see how do you feel right now i think you just
2: got off a plane like two hours ago so we'll we'll start there <laughs> i did i did i did just get off the plane but you know podcasting waits for no one and and it's we always want the fresh reactions right i feel like our listeners are getting like a couple of very special weeks here. We had you and your Barkley recap last week, and then me and Challenge Puerto Varas uh, recap this week. But I did, I, I alluded last week to that I was racing in Chile and I was traveling there, and I think I had a lot of apprehension about the travel because there were you know, a lot of documents I needed, vaccine documents, mobility passports, affidavits, PCR tests. I mean, it was just a lot. And so I was kind of going into it like cautiously optimistic. I have raced in Chile before. I raced um, Ironman 70.3 Pocon in 2017, and it was incredible. And I always told myself if I had the chance to go back there, I would take it. And so when Challenge added the new half distance race this, this year and um, I had a chance to go, I was like, okay, here goes nothing. And Alyssa, I will say uh, my flight itinerary for going. Hold on, uh, wait. What's you up? still haven't? How do? You- you haven't answered my question. I oh. just asked, how are you feeling? You just got off the, the flight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I We're going to back up to all the other good chatty. stuff. I'm feeling very chatty. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I've actually felt, okay. Here's the thing though. I have got off the flight. We landed a little bit early and my dad was picking me up and he brought Cowboy, my dog in the car, which is like the sweetest. And, um, and so sometimes we bring him into the airport even though it's not really allowed, but you know, It's Bozeman Airport, and there's like a lot of chaos, and are masks allowed? Are they not allowed? It's a dog allowed, of course. So we bring him in, but um, and so it's really sweet when you come like down the stairs and you see him. But um, anyway, so we went straight from that, and we landed a little early, and the pool is open from noon to one, and I was like, okay, Dad, do you mind just sitting in the car? Yeah. So I actually went swimming like on the way home from the airport. Cause I was just like, if I don't do this now, I am going to like crash, you know, like I'm going to get very tired. So I did do a little shakeout. You swim. know, you're a professional triathlete when you do the <laughs> shakeout
1: swim on your way home. From you. That's like classic. Well, I love it. it.
2: Otherwise it, the the pool hours here are a little rough so otherwise i was gonna wait till 6 30 p.m which is like 9 30 p.m chile time and i was like i'm gonna be yeah. hopefully asleep because you know last night i spent on an airplane so i'm feeling good i'm feeling good it's sunny here i'm good i'm home and my travel home was so smooth because like i said when I booked these flights my itinerary was like incredible right it was like direct bozeman to atlanta atlanta to santiago santiago de puerto mont which is really close to puerto varas and um just incredibly smooth flights, like just perfect amount of, you know, no excessive, uh, layovers, just everything was perfect. And so I was like, and my flight was like fairly inexpensive. And I was like, this might be too good to be true. And it was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so it started, it looked like it started for you because I saw on Instagram, how we all get our news is that you like showed the tracking of your flight and you were like, Oh, this like random stop in Chattanooga or something like so what was going on were there storms in Atlanta was there like too much traffic in Atlanta they had to divert you to Chattanooga what was going on when did you find out that was happening have you ever had that happen
2: before Where you land in the wrong city
1: no luckily I've we've had to go back before because of like mechanical issues which is also like terrifying but um no I've never actually been diverted there's been like threats with weather and stuff because sometimes Especially in the south, if you fly around the south, there's like really strong storms at various times of the year. And so it's always like kind of a possibility, but have never actually had that happen. So, what was going on? This was on? a
2: first for me, too. I've never actually landed in the wrong city before. So, they did say there were storms near Atlanta and they said they didn't have enough fuel. And so, to like wait out the storm, I guess, and like be in a holding okay. pattern. So, we just landed in Chattanooga to get more fuel. And they were, like, not sure if how long we'd be in Chattanooga, if we were going to, like, deplane. And we ended up just sitting on the plane in Chattanooga. And it was just kind of funny because I was, like, um, I was, like, I'm sponsored by Quintana Roo Bikes, which are based in Chattanooga. And I was, like, if we get off this plane, I'm, like, calling up Peter Hurley and being, like, hi. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's the CEO of Quintana Roo. Surprise! do you have a guest room (laughs) i'm on my way to the race um or like hey does anyone want to do a once over on my bike but um anyway so but luckily we did get in the air again and so we landed in atlanta at like the exact time that my flight from atlanta to santiago was supposed to uh leave. So we were, it was, we, you know, it took a couple hours to land in Chattanooga, get refueled and come back. And I was like, okay. And you could kind of tell that that flight was getting delayed, like by five minute increments. And, um, my good friends, the Janelle's are like flight experts. And so they're like, it might be holding it for you. And they were like, try. And so I did, I like, like got off, oh I had tennis shoes on. I got off the plane. I had my backpack. Did you wait your turn deplaning? Yes. Or did
1: you like tell people around you? Were you like, you guys, I missed my flight. I have to go run. And I'm a professional athlete. Like, did we play the pro athlete card in this time of need?
2: Not in that sense, not in the direct sense, but I will say there were, they did ask, they're like, okay, if, you, if this is your final destination, stay seated. And I was in like row 28, I was kind of far back. And so there were quite other people who had connections who were also trying to get off the plane quickly. And so we get into the terminal and we fly into terminal A and I'm flying out of terminal E. So that's pretty far. If anyone's been oh, to the Atlanta airport, yeah. it's like a mile. <laughs> but so- This is actually so actually when I came to visit
1: you in Atlanta, I learned all about the Atlanta airport because I learned I was like, so I had never been to an airport that big really and like attempted to walk and I remember trying to like walk between the terminals. And being like, oh my gosh, this is really far. Like, this is why they have this nice little train system because, like, most average humans would never make this walk because this is like really, really far and long. And yeah, yeah. so
2: you decided to forego the train and oh run no, it. I used the train. <laughs> I wasn't going oh, okay. to try to that. <laughs> okay. So, but I had to run like from the end of A. To the escalator, which was like – I mean, it had to have been at least a – And those escalators mile. are so long,
1: yes. and the escalators move so slowly there, and those are like my nemesis because it's like, oh, you're trying to sprint, and people are always blocking, and they're not standing on the right side, and mm-hmm. you're seeing the doors close in your face. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, so... first I
2: start running through Terminal A, and I, these couple guys had a head start on me, right? So they were running too, and my like competitive – the same flight no different flight, but we were running in the same oh, direction to okay. so train. Okay. And so my competitive juices like kicked in. <laughs> like if I had any confusion about like whether or not I was, and I was like, I ran those guys down and I was like, yes. <laughs> and, um, and I like put them to shame and I just kept going. Right. And then I, I did have to wait going down the escalator. Cause I was like, okay, I can't like, I can't hurt someone. I'm like bowling pins on here. Yeah. So I wait, wait, wait. I had 30 seconds to get on the train, got on the train took the train all the way to E, you know, nothing I can do there. And then got out and then I took off and I, so, so I'm running up the steps on the escalator and I could hear a couple of women behind me also trying to run. And then I could hear myself dropping them. Like I could hear them getting tired and they were like falling behind me. And I was like, you know what? I am race ready. And so it was honestly like really good. I got up to the E, I ramped to gate and then there was no one there, and the plane was still there though, <laughs> Alyssa. The plane was still there, and so oh, the, that's I the stood worst. there for a second, and then this woman comes out, and I'm like, very sweaty, and um this woman comes out, yeah. and she's like, Are you Hugo? And I was like, <sighs> I can be. <laughs> Like, does Hugo get on the plane? And um, is Hugo the pilot? Like, what are my responsibilities? <laughs> you know? So I was like, uh, I'm, you know, no, I'm Haley Chura. And so, and then this other guy came up. He had gotten a ride in like a one of the carts. I was like, that oh. man was probably a little smart. But I did get there before him. But um, and they're like, are you Hugo? And he wasn't Hugo. And she's like, I'm gonna see what I can do. And so I was like, oh my goodness, we might get on. And she went back out, and she's like, the tower won't let me. And so we like missed it by like minutes she's like I was trying to hold it and then a couple other guys came up and none of them were Hugo either I don't know who Hugo was very special person okay (laughs) apparently
1: must have been yeah it sounds like he was important but yeah yeah. so I didn't make it but if the thing is too if they let Hugo on they would have to let all of you right right? because that would
2: otherwise be like a thing so dang you needed yeah so anyway didn't happen but Again, one of the great things when I did book this flight through Atlanta, I, I mean, it was on purpose a little bit where I'm like, OK, if I got stuck in Atlanta, that's one of the best places in the world for me to get stuck in because I know a lot of people. And that was I um, had you know been texting with Betty and Ernie and they were on their way to the airport to come pick me up. And um, they also have diamond Delta status, so they could. We I didn't have to stand in a really long line. We like just got like on a call line, so then I could like rebook myself, which was also very nice. But um, anyway, and so they picked me up, and I went and stayed at their house, and I got to hang out with Betty, who's also a friend of the podcast, and so um, hang out with them. I got to go for a swim. Um, she actually had a spare bike that I just put flat pedals on. I did a little easy spin because I didn't get my luggage. My luggage stayed there, but. Um, she had a couple some extra smash kits so I could feel right at home <laughs> riding the trainer. And, um, so anyway, it worked out. I got to see my coach, Matthew Rose is he's in Atlanta. He stopped by and, um, my friend Shelly came by, I think after lunch, one of my athletes, Nadia, she was able to come by during her lunch. Cause I just was hanging out at Betty's and then I got a piece, I had to get another COVID test because like it had to be within a certain number of hours. And so that was a little disappointing cause it was like a little extra expense, but in all in all, it actually ended up being like a really fun day. And, um, and then I got on that flight the next evening to Santiago and it went, Oh, it was delayed. (laughs) That was what happened. So the next evening it was delayed. So I actually ended up missing my connection in Santiago the next day. And so I know, so I was delayed. I missed the press conference. I missed like so much stuff that I was supposed to do in Chile and, um, like a swim with some people Oops. and photo shoots. And so that I felt a little sad about that, uh. but I made it there. And, um, I will say Alyssa, like Puerto Varas is an excellent race venue. Like if anyone wanted to, you know, take a trip to to South America, I think this race, this challenge Puerto Varas is probably logistically the easiest like my issues were all with flights in the United States but flying to Puerto Montt it's like a 20 minute taxi ride into Puerto Varas and um it's just the perfect race venue you have this massive weight. and once you got there was your like connection flight in Chile at the same airport did
1: you have to transfer no. airports to like the domestic you airport you have to transfer oh, that's
2: nice that's always terminals the so I did have to oh, and I was very sweaty yeah. for that one too because I tried running again and it didn't work. <laughs> I was just
1: very sweaty, but not having—I've had like in Taiwan, you have to transfer to a domestic airport, that's, and that's like—I've uh, done brutal. that
2: in Argentina too. Yeah, that one's no. This one is yeah. very easy. You just—it's just terminals in Santiago. Okay. It was pretty. You—I did have to take my bike from one terminal to the other one, but I did this in 2017 too, so I was like, Haha, I know how to do it. I remember, but um. I I will add that like the Chileans were so helpful because when I landed in Puerto Montt, I thought I had a transfer range, like someone to pick me up at the airport and drive me to Puerto Varas. But because there had been so many issues with my flights and I came in at this random time, um, no one was there, and there's wasn't any Wi-Fi at the airport, and so I was like, oh, I can't call anyone. I'm like just standing there with my bags, my bike, and looking lost, and like this taxi driver went and found a rental car guy agent who spoke English and they came up and they were like, can we, you know, do you need help? And <laughs> I was like, Whoa. I know just like randomly. And I was like, you know, I, I, if I can get Wi Fi, I can contact the person who I think was supposed to pick me up and let them know I'm here. And so they were like, come over closer to the rental car desk and they gave me the password for the rental car agency pa- Wi Fi so that I could make oh my the gosh, call. That's yeah. so nice. And yeah. so it worked. And then I ended up, I just took a taxi, which, um, you know, it was not it was fine. It was great. Like the taxi driver was trying to teach me Spanish, which um was beyond my capability in a 20 minute taxi, ride. I felt almost like I was like how I talked to cowboy where it's like, "Look, cowboy, dog, you know, bone." And I like he was like pointing out volcano and I'm like, "Okay, volcano, I get that." And then it was like, <laughs> "You say the name of the volcano." And I'm like, didn't quite catch yeah, that one okay. so i feel like i was disappointing him a little bit but it had been a long couple days um but, but the ride it, yeah go ahead oh no go on keep telling ta- keep I going i was gonna say puerto varas like the town i think it's like forty thousand people so it's a good size it's like similar to bozeman and it's just huge lake like five volcanoes around it and all the hotels are just like right along the lakefront and so Like everything for the race was really, really close. Like the hotel to transition to the finish line, expo, everything was like in walking distance. And I think that would be that way if like you stayed at any of the hotels around there. It's not like there's just one hotel. There's like tons of hotels. And I think their busiest season is like... January, December, January, February. And so we're just like coming off of their, their busiest season, but it's like resort touristy, lots of restaurants, you know, lots of pizza and ice cream and all the, you know, good food that you want. And yeah, pastries, dessert, coffee, and, um, and dogs. So hold on, I'm going to
1: stop you there.
2: Which I, that one reminded me of you, but I was like, cause you know, and like they have all the community dogs that I, they had that in Argentina too. And it's just like, there's like, well, cared for dogs. Yeah. Yeah, Like, yeah. So I want to hear about the race because
1: Haley, I believe this was a wire to wire win, at least in the report that I read, it was a wire. I didn't, I wasn't able to catch the coverage, so I can't comment on that. Um, but I did hear that it was a wire to wire win. I heard you had quite a gap coming out of the swim. I think you like, I forget the stat, but I'll just make one up. But you, I think you were like the third fastest overall swim of the day or something like that, including the men pros or something like that. So you had a fantastic swim. You came out with like a six or eight minute gap, I think on the rest of the field. And then friend of the podcast, Laura Siddle, someone we both like um, to race with. And again, she's been, you know, on the professional triathlon scene for a while. I think she Managed to kind of narrow that gap quite a bit. I think you guys probably saw each other maybe in T2. Like, you knew she was there, as my guess from what I read. And then you just laid the hammer down and you were like, not today, Laura. Sorry about that. And just managed to run your way to the finished tape first. So, is yeah. that, did I like give the You're right play by play? I mean, are you it? there? I'm
2: <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I'm like you got it all but um yeah like so the lake that it was in it was like a huge lake and so the swim was actually pretty hard and we had like some waves like some really big swells and the um I will give a shout out to, I think it was Macarena Salazar, who was one of the Chilean athletes. Um, you know, the start, it was, there was some like confusion on how many minutes we had until we started. And so like, I thought I heard 33 minutes, but I think it was actually like closer to 30 seconds. And so she's like, she was actually like, translating and she's like, no, no, no it's like 50 seconds. And then she was like, it's on your mark. And so that was really, really nice. Like I, I have to give a little, a lot of credit to my fellow competitors, because since I came in a little late, like I was talking to Laura all before the race and I'm like, okay, so the bike course goes left and the run course goes right. You know, I just hadn't had time that normally that's the kind of thing I would have done in the days before. I'll admit, I also like didn't have, I I didn't know where to pick up my race bags. So I was like, I made my own. <laughs> like I was just like, I ha- there was a little bit of a DIY to my efforts because it's just, that's what you kind of miss in that last day. But I think, one of the nice things is that I'm a more experienced athlete. So I was like, and I have raced in South America quite a bit. And I'm like, okay, some of times this chaos brings up my best. I'm just gonna go try and do it and without necessarily having everything perfect. And um and so that was good on the swim too, because we had these pretty big swells. And I knew that that was pretty good for me because I'm a stronger swimmer and we did start five minutes behind the men. So I was just like, totally on my own, like totally alone. And it's a big lake. And I'm like, just try not to think too much about it, but it's a beautiful lake. Like when you're close to shore, it's actually really clear. And with this beautiful sunrise and you can see this like huge looming volcano and the temperature was like 62 which is perfect for me <laughs> and um you know I like it a little on the chilly side and I felt really good and I'm just like I um I knew I needed to get a lead on the swim because of the women who were in the field I was like okay gotta get a bit of a lead and so I think I did have a few minutes coming out of this water and hopped on the bike um I uh you know I we were nervous that it would be a little cold on the bike but I was actually quite warm and it's just a out and back i think like 3000 feet of climbing so like up and down rolling hills um you know it was it was it was nice road surface for most of it and just straight out and back thank goodness i didn't have to know any turns and at the turnaround alyssa though you had this like huge volcano like i need to find out if there's photos from the turnaround like surely there was a photographer out there because he was just like you look because you just like are getting closer to the volcanoes i think and it's like that was like what you see at the turnaround. It was insane. It was so Whoa, cool. cool, and um, and so we come back in, and I I knew I had a bit of a gap, but I was I was expecting. Laura's a strong strong cyclist. I could tell she was riding well, and I think her bike had just actually come in like the night before because her she had some luggage issues. But um, you know, this is traveling with a bike. That's life, but um, anyway, so I knew she'd be coming in, but well, I came into T two. And Alyssa, like I could not get my shoe on. My right shoe. Like I was like, did my foot grow? (laughs) Like, I just like could I was like, do I have the wrong size? Into your running shoe. Like it just wouldn't go into your
1: running shoe? Oh my
2: god. Like my foot was swollen or something. I just like couldn't fit. Like I don't maybe I need a bigger (laughs) size. But like I was just like almost like, what do I do if I can't put my shoe on? But I finally jammed it in there. And, um, but in that time, like Laura came into transition and I was like, I can't let her get out of transition before me. Did you um, you have to sit down and transition to put your foot in? I didn't sit down, but I was close. I was very close. I probably should have, I probably should have sat down because I was just like, it's like and it was like the laces were all. I was like loosening them as much as they could. So it was weird. something like my foot was swollen. I don't know. Maybe there's like um, a
1: mouse in your shoe or something.
2: Don't say that. Um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> then I would have died. Like a caterpillar. Um, I
1: had an experience as a kid where there were like caterpillars would crawl in your shoes if you left them outside. <sighs> and so now I always like am worried about caterpillars in my shoes. But anyway, that's my, a story like, for another day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> DIY bag. There were like a bunch. That would have been. I would have just had a heart attack. But um, anyway. So I only. I I think I only got a transition like a, like it was like t- under 30 seconds ahead of Laura. Like it was not much of a lead. And so I was just like, okay, but it's a four loop run, which I love because mm-hmm. I think I take a lot of, four, four uh, loops in a half is pretty unusual. Four
1: loops yeah. for an Ironman is pretty... <laughs> Normal four loops for a half is like, what is that for a loop? You're
2: doing like, three it was like a out, five mile K- and a half K- out and back. Yeah. Like- <laughs> it was like 5.5K like or something like that. Oh, um that, that is loops. fun.
1: Okay. But
2: it was like, we go up this really big hill and then you kind of do like an out and back and then you go down the really big hill and then do an out and back okay. the other direction. And so, but what you get when you have that many loops is like really good crowd support, right? And I'm also an athlete that like I really enjoy, I get some energy from like the age groupers and seeing some of the pro men out there and so i actually like i really really enjoyed the run course um and just it made it so it was like spectator friendly we got these like i've never had this before either we got like like long strings like that you have collars that you put over your neck to like count the loops
3: oh. because well, oh,
2: that was the other thing Alyssa. i left have,
1: uh, for people who haven't done loop courses typically you get these like cotton looking scrunchies but not really scrunchies but like big like hair bands almost that like the people are waiting at the turnarounds and they like hold them open and you shoot your arm through and then you have to wear it on your wrist and that's like your indicator yes. of loops that's what you usually get
2: yeah but we got like long strings that i wore like a sash like a miss america sash yeah whoa <laughs> were they that big or were they like thinner they were thinner it was like a piece of yarn kind of but oh, like okay. they were all different were you colors. expecting that did you know that that was coming I found out the day before, so okay. I, okay, but okay. I was glad because Alyssa, I would um, be like, what is that thing? I'm not wearing that thing on the run. Like if you didn't know it was coming, <laughs> no, luckily I'd been had given a heads up because, but I was glad because on, I forgot to mention this though, on my, on the overnight flight, I'd gotten really hot and I, my wrist had swollen. I was very hot and swollen this whole tree, <laughs> that's what happened with your feet. I know so but my wrist got really swollen so I was like asleep and I took my watch off because it was just like so tight around my wrist and I left it on the plane
1: oh no so sad
2: so I didn't have any watch so I didn't know what my pace was wow okay my pace was like run faster than Laura (laughs) (laughs) I mean I this wasn't my first race but I was kind of glad though for the little sashes because that helped me count because I didn't know how many miles I had run um (laughs) So I was just like, I can – I mean, hopefully I can count to four. It was also helpful you can count, yeah. like, four times the hill. Like, that was also right. a good way to count things. But um, anyway, it was a good – it was a great race. And um, I did – you know, I, I I did try to put a gap into Laura, and I was happy to hold that. And I, I truly – never thought I thought my days of winning races were behind me and so I really 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 savored this one um you know coming down the finish shoot it was it was really special I didn't realize there were a bunch of children running behind me like I didn't see that till the video I was like where did these children come from because like in challenge races sometimes they do fun things when you come across and there was like yeah. all these children with balloons <laughs> so um that was very you know that was really fun and Laura came in second Romy Palacios Blena was third macarena salazar from chile was fourth and um and it was just you know it was a fun it was a fun course a fun day like i thought it was for a first year inaugural race just incredible location um well done race i would highly highly recommend it and also Alyssa, i will give a shout out to men's winner sam Wong because afterwards we were walking to awards and like this guy stopped and was like, Oh, I want to get a picture with the winner. And Sam was like, you need to get a picture with the women's winner. And so the guy did. Aww, was nice. like, I'm a Sam Wong fan. Yeah. So okay, I mean, good. it is. Good job, yeah. Sam. I know. I think he's, I mean, yeah, it was, it we was a good, it yeah. was very cool. So That's I think awesome. it was a great, a great trip. Not as long. I wish I could have spent more time there both before and after the race. Cause it was just an incredible location. And, I, I do highly, highly recommend that race, especially if you, you know, want to dip your toe into like the adventure racing. I think it logistically, that is a really, really, really fantastic race.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I, that got me excited for like traveling this season and things happening and, you know, it was it was really fun. I did. I knew, I think Betty might've been on the Dynamo account on Sunday. I was like tuning in. Cause I was like, if anyone's able to catch this live coverage and figure it out, it's Betty. She's got it. So I was like frantically checking any social media she might be on and updating so that I could see what was going on. And I was getting, I feel like just one degree right of delay. So I could like see what was going on. She was, she was, I feel like there was, must've been a delay on who, what was happening at one point. Cause I saw her on Twitter being like, we need updates on the women's race. <laughs> and so I you know I feel like as soon as it was you know as soon as you did cross the line I was able to catch that so thank you Betty for always I can always count on you for pushing those Haley updates through. And I really appreciate it. And it was awesome to get to see you breaking the tape yet again. Um, So congratulations, Haley. And thank you for coming back, not spending another week down in South America, coming back to podcast and sharing all that with us.
2: I know my travel back was so smooth. It was everything was on time. Everything was great. Weather was all great. Again, I got in early enough to get a swim in. So, um, you know, my luck definitely has changed. But, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of dogs in in of Aris and when i first got on with you there was an extra dog in the screen so wait so tell me what's happening do you have a new four-legged friend yes
1: haley so classic like classic move to finish a big race have a little bit too much downtime and be browsing the internet rescue sites and see this little handsome face pop up and be like that might be the one um and so it happened pretty quick last week. I saw a photo of a dog that just looked absolutely adorable. It looked like he kind of fit the, you know, check the boxes of things that we would be looking for for a second dog. Like wasn't a puppy, you know, very active breed, um, very handsome, and just looked like he needed some love. I thought, you know, this could be the one. I checked him with Matt and Matt agreed we should go meet him. And so we met max on friday we actually brought him home the rescue let us take him for the weekend as like a test run and i mean haley like how many times could you take a dog for like a test run and not be like smitten right and i mean honestly like he's definitely not perfect right like it's not like him and ramona hit it off instantly and it was like yes this is a sure thing i think that people who have uh rescued dogs gotten dogs from your local shelters and rescues like you know a lot of times, the reason that these dogs are so special is like the process that comes with it, right? Like seeing how they grow and develop, and like kind of find their way into the family that they now realize is theirs. And so, um, but within two days, so he's he was like a completely different dog. So by the time we had to give the rescue an answer, like yes or no, we could already see these glimmers of hopes. Like Matt could Max, not Matt. Matt, Matt is my boyfriend. Max is the dog. Max. <laughs> You know, there's Some, like, going to be alliteration um, going on
2: there. Wait, Max was the name I he know. came with. We, he's already Max.
1: Max is the name he came with. And he's, he just turned five years old. So at first we thought he didn't know his name. We were like, maybe this is one of those fake names and we can like change it. But he definitely knows the name. So we're keeping it because he's five and like it's way easier to he knows the name. Like maybe it'll evolve in time or something. But he's he's definitely Max. And he has already kind of become a lot calmer. He's really settled in well. He's learning the ropes from Ramona. Um, she's teaching him all of her bad habits. And so um, he's here to stay. So, yep, yeah, he's like a he's giant though, Haley. He's like 65 pounds. Ooh. He's pretty tall and lean, um, but he's a Weimaraner lab mix. We think he probably has some pit bull in him too, but he's definitely an active dog that will be able to run and run while we ride uh, mountain bike trails and stuff like that with us. So we just have a little bit of training ahead of us until that all can happen seamlessly, but looking forward to it, he's like a gentle giant. He's very sweet. And we we were definitely excited to have max around. So that was a fun little recovery activity for me to be doing. Um, and now I have a, a running partner as I gear up for whatever will yeah, be. Yeah. I
2: think in the like three minutes that he was in the room with you, I saw him give you like like 20 kisses i mean he was like jumping up to like make sure you know you're loved i mean he definitely seems like he he he's in love with you and so um the affection seems to go both ways but i'm so happy that that worked out i mean that was a fun fun surprise for me to come back and now Alyssa has two dogs (laughs) hey how are your legs doing i know that i had a lot of concerned uh listeners and you know people from last week how are those how are your legs doing the briar scratches the cellulitis like how is that
1: so the briar I should have worn pants that like I'm wearing jeans that won't roll up so I can't show you but the briar scratches are actually almost all healed like I can show you my arms okay at least. You can barely see wow, anything. Wow, the human like, body is amazing. You would never know as bad as it was that it was there. I mean, your skin, it really is amazing. Everyone, it like heals and briar scratches do disappear pretty quickly. So that's all healed. The cellulitis is like so much better. Um, I, yeah, like just no, no major issues, right? So the antibiotics have been working. I have a few more days of those to make sure the infection is really gone. There's like a slight discoloration still, but it's fading every day. Um, I'm feeling really good and healthy. Um, I had a little bit of a tweaked knee kind of coming out of Barkley. I didn't talk too much about it cause I wasn't quite sure what was going on with it, but I was able to get that in and checked out last week and, um, definitely, you know, nothing major going to be okay. And I have like the green light to start training kind of fully again. So we're building back up this week. I'm feeling good and mentally good. Um, just a reminder to our listeners to coming off of a big race like this there is a lot going on. Your body's been going through a lot. So this is one of those times where I schedule, like look to schedule my inside tracker, just basic panel to kind of do that check-in. It's been, um, a few months since I last did one. And I just like to make sure that like the big training volume that I just did the big racing and everything. And that I'm like, you know, good to go in all aspects of my body as I start to build for the season ahead. So um, that's something I'll be doing in the next month or so. And they are a supporter of the podcast. You can get 20% off of your inside tracker at insidetracker.com tracker.com forward slash feisty or message Haley and I. We both have done it and um good experiences and find it as a valuable resource for us, keeping us healthy. So that's something on you know my to-do list. But yeah, overall, I'm feeling good and recovered from Barkley. It's been fun to kind of tell the stories a little bit, you know. Um, one of the Things that's kind of like stuck is that, like, I did a lot of unpacking last week from it. And the unpacking is sad when you don't get as far as you want to in a race because you're like unpacking those food bags that you didn't get to, right? I've been like eating SpaghettiOs every day for lunch because we had bought all the SpaghettiOs as like something I might be eating in between loops, like things like that. So every time I have the SpaghettiOs, I'm like, oh, I should have been eating those at loop four, right? Um, so those kinds of things are like reminders and stick in your head. Um, as as they do. Um, and so that's it's fun to now be in a position where, you know, hopefully I will get another shot if Laz would ever let me. And so I'm, I'm kind of I haven't forgotten about all of it. And I'm definitely like still in a mindset where I'm making sure I'm noting the things from this year to do better in the future. That is exciting. is
2: exciting. I'm so glad your legs are doing better. I'm glad you you seem like you have a lot more energy. And I can't believe it's been it's been two weeks, right? Like now that we're recording this, it's been two weeks. I can't mm-hmm. believe it's already been two weeks. Like, ah, oh, time flies. But um, yeah, take those notes because I have a feeling you're going to be back out there and no cellulitis this time. And um, and and, uh, and you're going to get to those SpaghettiOs. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Like <laughs> those SpaghettiOs. <laughs> We've been having a lot of ramen. Ram If anyone needs some ramen um dinner ideas,
1: I'm like becoming a pro at like how to use ramen noodles and make a decent dinner that's like fulfilling. Um because we also bought a lot of ramen in preparation for multiple loops and so lots of ramen stir fry happening. In the um, Gadeski-Semanski household nice. these days. And
2: we are not doing a mailbag question this week. We have some. So thank you to everyone who has written into our mailbag. You can still send in your questions, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will get to them eventually. I just talked a long time about uh, my race, and we have a really, really good interview. So we're saving your questions, but we will get to those in the coming weeks. So keep sending them in. And thank you to those of you who already have. But Alyssa, do you want to intro our guest this week? This is a, this is a big one.
1: Yes. So this is a super exciting week. We were really excited to welcome Mary Kane to the podcast for those of you who might not know Mary Kane's background. So she took the running world by storm. She came out of high school as one of the most, as the most successful teen runner in the country. This is like 2013, 2014 timeframe. And I'm just going to put this into context for you, what coming out of high school as like the most successful teen runner in the country looks like. It means she was running a 424 mile. Um, It means that her national high school records that she set are still standing. So she still holds the 800 meter, 1K, 1500, 3K, 2 mile and 5K national high school records that she set then are still standing today. Um, Mary went on to run professionally. And then in 2019, she was profiled in the Equal Pay series, which was an opinion video series done by the New York Times and Lindsey Krauss, showcasing showcasing the insurgent athletes who are dragging women's sports into the 21st century. Mary's piece was called, I was the fastest girl in America until I joined Nike. Nike. We definitely recommend watching and reading that piece, uh, maybe after you hear a talk or maybe pause this and just go check it out. I think it's like a seven-minute video and then a, a read on the New York Times site. In 2022, she was named by Women's Running Magazine as one of the power women of 2022. And so that celebrates the 15 women who are reshaping the running industry for the better. Now many of you might have heard Mary Kane's name if you read Sarah Wassner Flynn's piece in Triathlete Magazine about Mary's latest athletic adventure, which is with triathlon. Uh, she raced her first competitive elite development triathlon this month. She talks to us about that, about the mistakes she made during that, about all the good stories from that race, from her training, from learning to become you know, a triathlete. And where she is looking to go in the sport in the future. So, we are super excited for this interview. Thank you, Mary, for coming on, and we'll hear from Mary next. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy,
2: and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not.
3: You'll get a
1: daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your
2: pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20%. Off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to InsideTracker.com forward slash feisty and use the code feisty for 20% off.
3: Hey, so good news. The Feisty Women's Performance Summit is back for its second year in 2022. I don't know about you, but at Feisty, we're pretty sick of the predatory BS that we've observed in the fitness industry. The quote-unquote women's market is a target for fad diets, miracle workouts, and the usual shrink-it-and-pink-it marketing bunk. So enter the Feisty Women's Performance Summit, where we're going to bring together information you can trust so you can learn, grow, and succeed by working with your female physiology, not against it. It's not about standing on a podium, although we all know that some of us will. It's about being able to do the things we love throughout our lives. This year's virtual summit will take place March 25th to 27th and you'll get three days of education, demonstrations and inspiration from top of the class vetted professionals who will provide you with the knowledge you need to reach your goals. And if you can't make the summit on the weekend, the replays will be available for you all year long. So head on over to womensperformance.com to get all the deets. That's womensperformance.com. The link will be in the show notes.
0: Mary, welcome to Iron Women. We are so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: We also want to welcome you into the broader triathlon world. Um, the Triathlete Magazine article written by Sarah Wassner Flynn certainly created a lot of buzz in our sphere of things. So did it feel like it created a lot of buzz for you in your world too?
0: Um, a little bit. I-, I would say in general, though, I was more trying to like kind of come out ahead of things versus like um I don't know like maybe announce something that was like that much of a secret like I feel like a lot of people at least within like my sphere like already knew I was doing triathlon so they were kind of like oh I guess other people didn't know um so in some ways maybe that like immediate impact I didn't feel um but the support and and everything for people who maybe didn't know that I was um going on this new adventure was like really, really cool. And um it felt good to be able to kind of share it like a little bit on my terms, um, versus it being something where it was like after my first race, they'd be like, What is Mary Kane doing here? <laughs>
1: And I feel like there's always a little rivalry between like runners and triathletes. Did you have any like running friends, maybe one degree of separation out that were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're becoming a triathlete now. Like,
0: (laughs) Well, I I would say um, if anything, most of my runner friends were like really, really supportive of the move. Um, And I think it's because anybody who's a friend of mine has kind of known my running journey um, and has maybe seen more of like the day to day process for me and kind of understands like where I was at around the time that I decided to kind of explore this new opportunity and so if anything I think they were like get out of
2: here run (laughs) (laughs) we are glad you're here and That first kind of big race that, uh, you alluded to, uh, was the national triathlon development race in Claremont, Florida. So this is a, uh, draft legal race designed to bring together like the top young talent from across the country to race the draft legal format and potentially qualify for your elite license. You finished 23rd in Saturday's race. Like, how do you feel about your performance?
0: Oh, it was, it was one of those things where it was honestly a lot of fun because I did everything wrong that you possibly could do in a race and i think going into it part of the reason that i i kind of um worked with sarah on creating an article was i realized i was like oh wow i know my expectations are a zero like my expectations are let's try to finish the thing but my name is one in which, you know, people will maybe see a 23rd result and go, oh, Mary's going to be disappointed. Well, meanwhile, I was like, I don't even run like that 5k. I don't know where that came from. That was great. Um, So for me, honestly, like I I wasn't really thinking about this at all in regards to performance. This was way more just an opportunity to kind of observe what a triathlon is, um, because I have probably been training now again for about like eight weeks. Um, And so a fitness perspective, like I'm just at the beginning of things. And then from a skills perspective, um, you know, I would say I elevated myself from the negative numbers to a zero having completed that race. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, I I honestly, people saw me at any point. I was probably like laughing on the course and I love that.
2: I I saw your Instagram story that showed you trying to put your helmet on. I think there was like, or maybe take it off. I can't remember. It was putting it on or taking it off, but we've all been there, right? So we'd love to hear some of these rookie mistakes. I mean, I love reminiscing about some of my rookie mistakes because I think triathlon is a sport where no one really like comes out of the womb knowing how to do a triathlon right like it, it you have to learn it and so we all have those those stories um so what besides the helmet can you tell us what what went on yeah and and
0: part of the reason i also always want to say to people that i i talk about this and i i kind of am a little maybe silly and i joke and i try to laugh about this is i think there's a difference between taking yourself too seriously and like not and, and also betting on yourself. Right. So like I'm here because I want to do really freaking well in triathlon. But if you're going to do that, you have to go through the levels. You have to go through the steps. And I think the more you can kind of like share with young people that like it's OK to be a beginner. It's OK to mess up. That's that's super healthy. Um, so I guess to start, I raced six so don't do that kids don't race with a chest gold um and i think some of it there was a lot of different reasons part of it was i kind of thought at first maybe it was just allergies um and then like they the race I'm like this so definitely not a good thing to do because if you line up at the start of a triathlon and you're congested and you're wearing a cap you will not hear somebody say on your marks so i'm the foolish old lady standing there like you know, back in the day, I was an 800 meter runner. Are we going to have a great start here? And then they shoot the gun, and you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I <sighs> run into the water and, you know, definitely didn't get to unleash that like inner 800 meter runner. Um, this is going to be a long saga. There's a lot of mistakes. Ladies get ready to buckle up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, and what happened was pretty early on. I was like, I can't breathe. Like, Now, in Ryder's Tag, I'm like, oh, honey, you had, like, a horrible chest cold virus. But at the time, I was like, am I having a panic attack? There's, like, these girls were, like, trying to drown me in the water, and I've never really, like, done this before. What is happening? So I, at a certain point, kind of went into my, like, inner, like, F this mode. And I was like, I'm a strong enough swimmer. I'm going to learn open water swim. This isn't the day for this. I'm going to be the weird girl who, if you rewatch it, is, like, really wide and never drafted the whole swim. So definitely was that person. And I think it was a wise move for me on that day. Going forward, definitely got to practice drafting. Um, Getting out of the water, like, you know, I was farther back than I should have been. Um, But I was like, this is fine. I'm going to run some people down, get to my bike. My sunglasses are gone. Don't know where they went. And of course, in your mind, you're like, is somebody trying to sabotage my random triathlon race? Like, what is happening? um couldn't find those took me like three hours to put my helmet on that was funny and I had uh, the reason there's a video is because Lindsay who's one of the um USAT people was with the development squad is filming this and her face is dissolving as this is happening and while I'm starting to laugh because I'm like this is this is tragic like 4,000 girls passed me and there's three people in this race um, <laughs> and I got on the bike that was a win I I, I don't know how I like didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't get disqualified at any point or at least if they did they They didn't tell me, Um, (laughs) but I got on the bike at the right time, couldn't get my feet in my shoes. That's a skill that will have to be learned because turns out when you're the weird girl who's like, yeah, I'm used to biking alone. I'm just going to bike here on the side and just try to get my shoes in. Everybody passes you and it's way harder, I guess, to bike when you're not in a group. So learn that was like passed by four thousand people, and then finally like made this little matrix group. felt I made some friends. Was like anytime somebody was like somebody has to take it, I'd just be like I'm used to biking alone. Sure thing. Totally made that whole bike ride right up. The one thing I did well, and by well I mean I was pity clapped by the officials, but I did do it. Was I did dismount? Like I did get my shoot my feet on my shoes. And get off the bike. And I had learned that two days before. Thank you, Tommy's Various, Katie, and Lindsay for teaching me how to do that because I did not know that the week of the race. That's a hard skill. Like, that is really hard. I thought that that was a year long bucket list goal, which Paolo would hear and be like, Mary, that's not a year long (laughs) bucket list goal. But the week before, I wrote all my like little fun goals, didn't think that was going to be crossed off in a day, but it did. I was able to do it. But I did the whole thing where, like, I went to the very back of the pack, and I was like, "Don't worry, ladies, I'm not going to kill you." Like, I probably got off the bike in like four thousandth, um, and then I, I, I was feeling pretty cocky, feeling pretty good about myself because I got off my bike, and then I had to sit down and put my shoes on. So that <laughs> <I> didn't <know>. help things. <laughs> um, but yeah, then I ran, and I don't really run very much, um, and so I was pretty happy how that went. And then at the end, I was just like finished a triathlon that was a real distance that wasn't a staggered start thing because I'd done something previously in September but it was more like that COVID safe sort of triathlon environment that was kind of an off-distance thing um, so I can check that off. Yeah.
1: I love it and I love that you know you might find this out as your career progresses in triathlon that some of these aren't even mistakes if you just do triathlons that are much longer like in <laughs> the longer you race the more acceptable sitting down to put your shoes on becomes so <laughs> you can fumble with your helmet a little bit more so um you know that that was kind of like my avenue with it but um i love that you you know are like excited it seems like by these and the opportunities to learn that are ahead of you and did it was it different for you to be you know lining up on that start line as more of kind of like a face in the crowd like one on this kind of development squad versus like the face in the crowd did you feel less pressure than you would have lining up for running races like was was it a different feeling or was it competitions competition That's
0: a great question i i would say it is different uh, i think um you know i can't really show up to a fun run without people kind of being like oh my god mary Kane's here and like, I don't really run very much. So sometimes I'll be like, yeah, that's not really a super impressive feat, people. Like, I'm here, but I'm gonna jog a six-minute pace. Um, so for me, I think being in a race like this, there definitely, like, once I was in it, like, people recognized me, they cheered. But it honestly, like, when I was running girls down in in the triathlon itself, like, people were cheering for me. And I just thought that was really nice and I don't know in a running race you feel it's kind of more this like oh Mary Kane passed me but in the triathlon it was kind of more like damn didn't I was ahead of her like whoa this girl needs to work on putting her shoes on like I don't know like it was a much more encouraging dynamic experience um and so I think I probably was I I felt more like I did in middle school maybe where it was like you know people like I'm always competitive people knew who I was even then but it wasn't like a big deal that I was in the race. It was like I was one of 10 girls who maybe you were watching out for um, versus it being kind of like this like really over elevated like experience that um, I think kind of reached a point for me where it, it took some of the fun out of running.
2: And when you say you don't run much, is that due to injury or interest or just to, so you spend most of your time swimming and biking because that's obviously where you... Uh probably don't have quite as much history
0: yeah so part of it is that I I stepped away from running this summer um because I've had a very long standing issue with my running um where I think some compensations developed over the years um based on past injuries that had been kind of mishandled and not ever really treated and so I almost have like a slight um like almost like nerve Based issue, and so it's something that I think long term I'm going to be able to treat, but short term running is an incredibly aggressive sport on your body, and I don't want to long term develop like kind of a serious neuropathway issue, um, and so I'm trying to really limit the amount that I'm running so that I can be a little bit more aggressive like in PT and in and in safer like non weight bearing ways. Um, So within the last six months, I've probably, like, done a month's worth of, like, run walking. So when I say I don't run a lot, I mean, like, I did a 30-minute run once and my PT was like, what are you doing? What? Like, where are we going with this? Um, So I really do not run very much. I I mostly swim and bike. Um, But that's kind of, like, a hopefully short-term part of, like, a a very long-term process.
2: And you, like you said, you can jog at six minute pace. Um, so obviously you're still running pretty fast for, for triathlon. And, and I think that is a inspiring kind of story just because we have a lot of people in our sport who struggle with run volume. And I think it just shows that sometimes the work that you do swimming and cycling does get you in pretty good shape that if you are healthy, you can still go run an 18 minute, 5k off the bike.
0: Yeah. And that's definitely my plan long-term. And part of the reason I was kind of intrigued by triathlon, which is that I think my body has reached a point where it'd be really, really hard for me to maintain the volume that's necessary for running. And I think um, running sacrifices a lot of your health and it's something that you can be like proactive and prevent that. But once damage is done, like it's kind of hard to heal that and and to kind of work your way through that um and so as a professional runner I was running like 70 75 miles a week which you know some people even in my events were running more um and I look at triathletes and I was like whoa you guys think 30s high like I like this sport <laughs> um, so yeah I I if anything was trying to encourage some of the other kids within like the development groups um that maybe came from a running background to like give running a little bit of a break and maybe focus a little bit more on the swim, on the bike, on the things that they need to develop skills in um, and maybe give their body a little bit of time to heal. Because I think from the very little I've kind of seen within the world of triathlon, it seems like runners either come in like me where we're like, we don't really run, or they come in and they're like, actually, I'm still running 60 miles a week, is this okay? Um, I just I feel like there's a middle ground us runners could find. <laughs> It sounds like, um,
1: you know, after reading the triathlete magazine article or online article, it sounded like triathlon had been kind of in the back of your mind for a while. Um, You have a background in competitive swimming through high school. Obviously, you had been a runner. What about the bike? Did you have much experience cycling and was that daunting for you? Because that's typically like a big barrier to entry in our sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say my level of experience, again, I just keep having flashbacks to my middle school self where it's like, did you ask me at 12 if I ran? I'd be like, yeah, of course, 100%. Um, I didn't run. Like I didn't. I ran like in gym class. And I feel when people ask me about the bike, I do the same thing where I'm like, yeah, city bike. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally. Total commuter. Do it sometimes. Um, or like spin classes. I mean, they had like a um, like a portable trainer within at the race and beforehand i was using that as a warm-up trying to look really legit
1: yeah i saw you, your picture of you on that i was like whoa she knows
0: enough to use a trainer before 100%. a race so she <laughs> it was me and not tommy katie and Lindsay telling us to do that um and the whole time i'm on this thing i feel like i want to get into my like inner you know new york city spin girl thing where i'm like doing the weird little crunches and like yeah, maybe all the things my pt would be horrified by um but i would say that Clipping in was something I had never done until I was introduced to um, CRP this past summer. Um, But in general, like, you know, Joe Malloy was like, you've done enough. So I'm going to say I'm going to give myself a squiggly, not a check, not an X, squiggly.
2: (laughs) And I think CRP is the Collegiate Recruitment Program. Is that right?
0: That's correct. I think it's gone through a rebrand. I think it's now the national development. Okay. I might have gotten that wrong. It's it's within that kind of same progression. Um, I think they realized they're like, Mary's not really a
2: collegiate person. Let's <laughs> <No. do." laughs> uh, I want to talk about your swimming a little bit. I, I come from a swim background. Um, I know that the uh, Triathlete Magazine article mentioned that you swim with Laurel Wassner, I think, um, who is a pro we've had on the show and good friend. And I do love watching some of her stories, and she does post some of her swim workouts. So, a lot of triathletes do find that you know getting getting to the pool can be really hard and it sounds like you really enjoy swimming like love it so can you tell us about you know your love for swimming
0: yeah totally so i was a swimmer before i was ever a runner like at this point half my life has been swimming half my life has been running and if i keep up with this triathlon thing i guess we're gonna keep that a pretty even score um and a lot of people maybe don't um, know as much about that background for me but from the age of two until 13, like, swimming was my primary sport. Um, I swam for a team here in Westchester called Badger, um, which I told Rich Roll that um, beforehand because we were talking about swimming, and I was like, yeah, I'm dabbling and swimming. Like, I used to swim for Badger, and he was like, Badger? They, they are so competitive. So I am going to take what Rich said and confidently say, like, Badger was a good team growing up, and
2: so... I'm I'm a little younger than Rich, and it was still it was a good team when I was swimming too. Very like known for like distance yeah, too, right? Like
0: long swimmer. distance. Who the heck is doing that at twelve? Joe was like, "Oh yeah, you swim the five hundred, you're gonna be fine. Like you're gonna be a triathlete." And I was like, "What?" Um, I, but I think it was kind of my um, my experience in swimming was one in which a I always had a really fun time on teams. And this is going to be tragic to say, but I've never had that in track outside of the team that I've made. So I always had really fond team memories of like my City swim team, my club team, like all these people who I met over the years who, whether or not I have stayed in touch with them in a way that like, you know, means you're texting every day, like they had an influence in who I became as an athlete and who I am as a person. And so I think having those fond memories of pool time and swimming was amazing. But B, and I think really importantly, I never burned myself out in the pool. Like, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I'm doing triathlon so I can swim less. I'm here to run less. <laughs> and I think knowing that I kind of was at that point where when I stepped away from the pool and I became a runner more full time, um, there was still a lot of untapped potential, not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally that I think now is super fun to get in the pool and be like, can I PR in the 500? Um, And I think right now I'm about like matching my 13 year old self shape, which my 13 year old self is horrified and proud of that. Um, And, and just kind of curious to see where I can go from here. And Mary,
1: you've also talked about doing last fall. You did a local sprint race in Miami. So this, this past weekend wasn't, you know, exactly your first triathlon foray. Um, and you also did the bike leg in a celebrity relay at the Malibu Triathlon last fall. But it's funny because, you know, reading about you, talk about it, you weren't quite hooked yet. Like, it wasn't like you did those two things and you were chomping at the bit. You said you actually took six weeks off of exercise altogether and... Well, I'm saying altogether, after talking to you for the past 20 minutes, I'm betting that it really truly was like you decided to just not exercise for six weeks, right? And that helped you kind of figure out your next big pursuit. And so, why do you think you had to step back to be able to see so clearly where you wanted to go ahead?
0: Yeah, I think one big issue that I see in people who kind of like move from sport to sport is there's Always a concern for me that, like, am I just doing this because I can't really run at the level that I want to? And for me, this past summer, I kind of went through this, um, you know, experience of really just being like, I'm scared of what's happening in my body. I don't really know what's happening. Um, You know, how do I fix this? What do I do? And I think in a lot of ways, I went through an emotional retirement. Running and and that's not some big grand like Mary Kane's retired from running. Like, I don't think it works like that when you're 25. I don't think you really retire from anything that you do. Um, and so for me, I pretty quickly after that was reached out to buy Joe from um USAT, and it was kind of this like whirlwind experience where I was like, yeah, I'm in triathlon and I did it for like two months, and I suddenly realized like I work three jobs, I'm trying to train in this new sport alone in New York City and I'm maybe going through a quarter life crisis and not in some big grand like really bad way but in a way where you're just like my whole thing is I want to figure out what's affecting my body I want to get to the root of that if I'm going to make this transition a I need help and b I need to um like let go of some of the things in my life and be able to like reposition it so that this is actually a sustainable opportunity. And lastly, I need to know if I even want to do this. You know, if I walk away and take a break, you know, if that break feels a hell of a lot better than training ever did, then maybe that's my body and mind's sign that this is time for me to explore a new path. And so I actually ended up taking off nine weeks completely outside of physical therapy, where I finally um, started working with a team that um, I'm really excited about the work that we're doing and and the kind of process and progress that we're working towards um, as it pertains to this, like losing control of my leg while running issue. Um, And over the course of that nine weeks, I'm gonna say I had a blast, I loved it. I read so many books, I wrote so much, like I did all of the things that I wanted to do and at the end of it, I woke up on the day that I said I was going to wake up and at least make another like plan the next two weeks decision. And I just realized, yeah, having a break is great, but I'd rather I'd rather give this one more go. And that nine weeks was enough time for me to step away from one of the jobs that I was working, reposition my schedule so that something would be more sustainable, reach out to other people like the Wasner so I could make connections. Um, US and Triathlon was able to reach out to. Paolo on my behalf um, so I could get maybe into like a a more um, like sustainable group going forward. And so that was able to lay the groundwork for me to either embark on this journey or happily walk away knowing that that was okay.
2: And so how, like, I'm curious, Joe Malloy, who you've referenced a few times, I'm I'm unsure of his official title these days, um, but head of the national recruitment team. uh, development team. So did he just like send you an email out of the blue? Is that is that how it happened?
0: It was very serendipitous where I, um, I'm founder and CEO of um, a nonprofit here in New York City where I employ uh, professional female runners to serve as mentors. Um, and I launched publicly my team. Now, I never check my Instagram DMs. But for like that, like few days during the announcement um our team's intern was like helping me check things and she was like oh hey USA guys they reach out and I like checked at the it's like usat crps um dms and they'd actually clearly sent me quite a few over the years but I've never seen them so <laughs> I don't they DMs. just kept
1: on sliding like, into those dms
0: though like persistence man <laughs> and so I replied back And it was Joe. And I also didn't know, like, it was just somebody signing their name, Joe. So I also had no idea who I was talking to, like, the first time we were on the phone. And I was like, like, this guy sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. And I don't know, I've been in running and, like, people at USATF, like, half of them didn't run. So you don't necessarily, like, know who you're talking to. And then I I look up Joe Malloy and I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy was in Rio. Like, what? Why is he reaching out to me? Like, what is happening? Um, And then a week later, I was in Park City for a camp. So you can see there was like a very, very quick, like, I'm going to try this. Um, And I think that's in a lot of ways why a break was really appropriate, really necessary.
2: What about getting a bike? Did you already have a bike or did they help you get a bike? Because that's always a big hurdle for, for starting triathlon.
0: Especially during the pandemic where it was yeah. like, everybody was like, Oh yeah, you want a bike? See you in 40 years. Um, and so I, when I went out to the camp, um, I got to meet some people from Ventum cause the was in Park City and they're based in, um, I believe Heber city, which is nearby. Um, and I had been riding a Ventum at the time. And so Joe encouraged me to kind of reach out to them and be like, "Could do you think I could get a bike? Um, cause nobody has a bike. So I was able to get one through them. It was, um, I think initially bike used almost more for like photo shoots or something like that. Um, And so between USAT and them, I was able to set something up um, where I now have a bike because otherwise I would have been lost and confused because at least here in New York City, like there were no bikes. You couldn't buy a bike. Um, They're only like back in the store now and it's March. So it would have been I guess I got mine six
2: months ago. And what about the terminology and stuff in the lingo of triathlon, things like bricks? And uh, I don't know, I'm just trying to think like off the bike or I, I'm, I'm saying the same thing all over again, but um, how did you learn all that at the camp? Because there's a lot of things that's like, I again, I come from swimming. There's like lots of things that swimmers say. I know I always say like, did you go a best time? Which I think running is like, did you go a PR? <laughs> and so I know that my running friends make fun of me all the time. They're like a best time, what is that? But, um, did someone like help you through that? You know, just getting to learn about what a triathlon is—is that what the camp was for?
0: Um, you know, I think that's an ongoing process. I think that definitely, like every every time I'm exposed to more triathletes, I'm learning more. I mean, I had definitely learned a lot that first week, and then since then, had been exposed to more and more, and started following things more closely. And, um, but like I can say, like I I swam growing up, and. The first time I got in the pool with Paolo's squad, they were doing DPS. And I swear to God, I was just like, I have no idea what that is. And so I'm running through options in my head of like different acronyms. And the one I really, really kept coming back to was don't pool swim. I was like, this is all trying to be like in an open water swim vibe, like really trying to open water swim this. By the way, like I've opened water swam at this point like 10 times. So I don't even know what that meant but probably Paolo was probably watching me like boil in the pool and he was probably like that is not what's really happening um so I feel like there's distance per stroke
2: <laughs> distance per stroke is that what it was 100 <laughs> 100
0: okay but I'm probably doing the opposite because I'm probably trying to like really like up my cadence and like be choppy because I'm like <laughs> so I think to answer that question I think I'm decently knowledgeable but I'm sure there would be still things I would show up and look lost and confused because I mean even my first conversation with Paolo I just was asking him all sorts of running things and I was like do you guys spike up he was like that will never be (laughs) a thing (laughs) ever
2: what do you think about elastic laces in your shoes how's that
0: that was sketchy the first time that was introduced to me because I really did not know that was like a thing until they said that was a thing and I was just a little bit like I tie my shoes in a weird like overly run away like are my shoes going to explode like is this okay um and then the first time I did it I was like oh this is totally fine <laughs> so you don't notice it like it's not different but I think and I think that's part of the thing I, I will say that I, I like about um this whole experience in triathlon is that it it is making me experience sport in a brand new way and I think it's making me let go of some preconceived notions that I even have about myself as an athlete um and realize like I am durable. Like I don't need to tie my laces in that fancy way. Like I can, you know, run less and still like feel good running. And and I think all of those sort of lessons that you learn along the way are um really, really powerful. And I don't know, I just would encourage more people to like kind of wake up one day and be like, I'm gonna spend a month and I'm just gonna swim and I'm gonna become the ultimate swimmer that I can. Because sometimes doing stuff like that is just like a healthy way to reframe.
1: And Mary, you told us a little bit about like your, how much you loved your swim team growing up and like that environment and how much it meant to you and that you didn't have that in the track and field career as much. Did that knowledge that it could exist though, and that it could be a thing kind of frame like what you were looking for in triathlon? Is that part of, you know, were you more steered towards a squad environment anyway? Or I guess, how did that kind of play out? with you ending up with Paulo Sousa as your um your coach.
0: Yeah, I would say um that like since um also creating a team here in New York where I'm surrounded by women who are amazing but like I maybe just don't run enough to be like considered off the front team in the same way. I mean if they listen to this they'll be like Mary you are a teammate, like you're a part of this <laughs> But but in my mind I think um I maybe separate like swim team fun run team eh, except for the one that I've made. Um, So I think, yeah, having that swim team experience growing up did remind me that teams are amazing and awesome. And it's just about finding the right people. Um, And Joe and Manny Huerta um, were the two who connected me to Paolo and they just kind of felt it would be a good fit. And I think coming from my experience within professional sports at large like I I know what it takes to do very well in sport and I don't necessarily know what it directly takes in triathlon to do well in triathlon but in a general sense I know the commitment level I know what I want to give I know this is something I really want to try um, and I think knowing all of that I came to Joe and Manny I was like I need like a real full, Exposure and help because here in New York, I can't really get that. Um, and I think some of these skills that we're talking about, and like learning what DPS is and learning about bricks and all of those sort of things, like it's harder to self learn in triathlon. Running at the end of the day, like we run for an hour, we cry about it for the other 23 hours of the day, and we don't really do anything. And it's just not, it's super physically hard, but it's not that hard to do on your own, but something like triathlon, there's so many skills, like just being able to bike in a pack, um, I think made it so that I realized like, if I'm really going to give this a go, I need to be surrounded by people who are better than me. Um, and who can really kind of, um, help me learn on a day-to-day level. Um, so that's part of the reason I think that kind of like squad environment really
1: attracts. And was there a conversation about like, draft racing draft legal racing versus non-draft was it you know you want had a preference one way or the other did you know that the two options even existed you know
0: I think going into it I was a little bit like you guys are not recruiting me to do an Ironman because that is not gonna happen sorry Iron Women. Always like <laughs> girl here ran a mile That's a professional. <laughs> like, I'm not ready for running a half at the end of a race um, and even there was one point, like mid camp, I said something, Joe, and I was like, I've never even raced at 10k. He was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, the most I've done is a four mile race. <laughs> like, we have very low, um, like kind of speedy, like runner at heart here. And so I think that's why for me, um, definitely the draft legal felt much more up my alley, um, from like a time and distance perspective. Um, but I think also just, I'm, I, I like the idea of really competing against people. And it's not that that's not happening in the non-draft races, but I think to me, there's something like so cool about the fact that like there's a bike pack and do I know how to do that? No, but do I, feel really inspired to learn how to do that, yes. Like, I think the whole idea that, like, skills really matter is so new to me and so intriguing. Um, while I think the longer distances, it feels almost more normal to me or, like, you train really hard, you get really fit, and then you race. While with the draft stuff, it's a lot more like, yeah, you could be in world record shape, but if you're taking 45 seconds to put your helmet on, like, there goes the world record. <laughs>
2: And you talk about like the difference, like even draft legal racing, 5K, 10K, that's a long run for you. And triathlon training, because like you've kind of mentioned the swim and the bike are no impact, low impact, the hours are a lot more. So I'm curious about your, you know, if you, I know it's early, it's early in your triathlon career, but the comparison between your triathlon training and run training from a time perspective.
0: Yes, it's definitely a lot more. And I'm, I'm probably doing half of what like top people do right now. I'm probably doing like 11, 12 hours a week. So it's not, you know, we're being purposeful and we're not being like, Oh, Mary wants to be a competitive triathlete. Here's 40 hours. Like that is not, never do that. It's not a good idea. Um, but it definitely is more of a time commitment. And I think especially just because of travel. You know, like it takes me 30 minutes to get to the pool. It takes me 30 minutes to get home from the pool. And yes, I live right next to Central Park so I can bike there or bike inside and I can run there or run inside. But there's still this kind of like extra effort that you don't have to worry about quite in the same way that you do if you're running um, because you can just kind of run out your door. Most places. Of course, that's a privileged statement. Not everybody can do that. And I acknowledge that here. But at least for myself, that's a big transition. Um, And so I I think from a time commitment, it's definitely more. And that's why I had to kind of go through that break and really say, if I'm going to do this, I need to reposition things because um, you don't just dive into a sport and suddenly be able to pay yourself. By coming in twenty third at a development race, <laughs> so even like the finances and like figuring out like how to construct your career so that um, it supports that time and it supports that effort um, was something that was really um, kind of like a top priority for me. Um, but I don't know. I think I think the I think the biggest difference to me is going to be how much I need to eat because when you are training so much. Um, It's just you need to fuel yourself. And I think having done um, a couple of development camps, I have to say, I think one of the biggest concerns that I have for young people who are trying to get into triathlon is there needs to be way more conversations around like working with registered dietitians and like really learning how to eat um, because it's so easy to not. Um, And honestly, that was the thing that, you know, beyond just. Palo Squad being amazing women, incredibly talented, great group of people. Um, they had me at the first dessert. Um, I mean, (laughs) mid-camp when they're like, oh yeah, like let's go get dessert. I was just like, whoa, okay, (laughs) this is a thing that happens. (laughs) Um, and so yeah, I think I think the hours are like in some ways less intimidating than like everything that goes into supporting you being able to do that level of hours.
1: And so you did get to go to Portugal to train with the squad for a bit with some heavy hitters out there too, I think. So what was that like? Was it, were there other new folks on the squad coming? Were you the the newbie? Like, how did it, how did it all kind of play out for you?
0: It was so cool. Um, I had probably been training for like two weeks at that point. And so in retrospect, I'm like, whoa, Mary, that was really bold. You just being like, yeah, I'm going to go to Portugal. Sure. It's okay. There's two weeks of Mary. Um, But everybody was incredibly kind, like really encouraging, but in that way where I I think what I love about the squad dynamic is the fact that like in track, there's a lot of like, we're a team. And I put on that voice because I'm kind of making fun of it. Of Like, you know, like I'm going to do something to like help my teammate. And there's people in groups who you're like, They're kind of the B athlete who's just the pace person for the A athlete. And it's all this sort of, like, weird interconnectivity that at a certain point, like, can become problematic. Um, And this is somebody who's created a group that's, like, purposefully trying to, like, not have that be a thing and be, like, you have value outside of your running performance. Um, But I just feel on the squad, it's a very, like, people are supporting each other, but they are trying to be the best them. And, like, that is the goal. And I love watching that and witnessing that. Um, but I showed up and I was totally like the only person who didn't know what they were doing. I mean, like everybody there is like incredibly good. Um, and so like after the very first group session I did with everybody, which was a swim, I got out as shocking as this sounds after my two weeks of training a little bit before everybody else. And Paulo came over and he was like, you, you did pretty well. Like, don't be discouraged by that. And I was like, if I'm discouraged, I shouldn't be here. Like if I'm going to be discouraged after my two weeks of training, that I can't keep up with the incredibly challenging group of women that you have right here, then like, please ask me to leave because the whole reason I'm here is to kind of get my butt kicked, but not in a way that's discouraging or negative, but in a way that's really inspiring and empowering and helps me focus on me getting a little bit closer every day rather than me feeling like, um, I'm almost training alone here, lost and confused, and being like, I guess this is a good swim. And then you suddenly show up and you're like, some rabbit board's a good swim. (laughs) That's what a good swim is.
2: You've referenced your group, uh, Atalanta, a couple of times. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and how it differs from other running groups?
0: Yeah. um, So I think the biggest um, thing that differentiates us is the fact that the way we're structured um, is not in the traditional sponsorship model. Um, I think the biggest issue in professional sports is the fact that athletes don't have agency. Um, So athletes from a young age are encouraged to be coachable, um, which is buzzword for shut up and dribble. Um, Do what I say, listen to me. um, And we're kind of thrust into these power structures where it's like, you're always the bottom rung. Um, are sports marketing people ahead of you, there's agents ahead of you. Um, in some dynamics, the coach is above you, and by some I mean most. Um, and it creates these odd structures of power um that are why abuse is rampant in sport. Um, and so as I was trying to kind of create something that hopefully inspires people to continue to go against the grain and create things that really empower athletes. Um, I structured Adelanta in a way where our um, our athletes are supported as um, employees um, because they have uh, like goals and um, career work that they're doing for the organization outside of just their running performance. Um, And like the the truth is like most professional runners have to do that work anyway, like whether it's the social media things or the marketing things. Um, But there's this kind of weird structure in which sports marketing departments kind of hide behind numbers. And they're like, yes, you've done all this stuff for us, but we have no way to calculate your value. And you didn't, you came in fourth and said a third. So for, well, well, forever. Um, And we want to build our women to be more than just athletes, um, to be like women who create change. Um, And so the work that they're really kind of mostly focused on is um, actually being mentors for young, younger girls, um, in parts of New York that maybe traditionally don't get, um, access to, um, women like ourselves who are professional athletes who can serve as mentors. Um, so yeah, there's, I think the truth is everything about my team is different. And so sometimes it's hard for me to like pinpoint just one thing. Um, because I know recently somebody was like, well, other teams do community work. And I'm like, yeah, but They're just talking to their bubble. They're not trying to go beyond it and find the girls who maybe really need the help. They're going to the people who are like almost coming to them. Um, and I think within the world of sport, something that I find to be really, really important is to kind of like find the people who maybe aren't already in your Twitter bubble, um, and tell them why sports matter, tell them why healthy sport matters.
2: So do you see your, yeah. Do you see yourself racing for Atalanta as the triathlete arm of this uh this new pro the new triathlete wing of Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I think I have so many long term goals for this organization, um, or for things that I can kind of build upon what we're doing within Atlanta. So the idea that I'm in a different sport than the other runners is something that's not far off from kind of what I've always hoped would happen like i hope we're in other cities i hope we have other athletes going for in different sports um but at a certain point you got to start with what you know and and when i started this i I only really knew running um and so it is cool to kind of be like well now we got to try athletes so if you have swimming and biking questions come to me (laughs) not yet but soon
1: (laughs) And Mary, it might be a little too early in the season to ask you this, but, you know, can you share your plans for racing in 2022 with us? You know, where are you headed next at least?
0: I would, but I have no plans at all besides going back to Portugal um, on April 1st. And I will spend the month of April um, back with the squad in Monte Gordo. And I think over the course of that month, we'll continue to kind of make plans. But um, I think we're taking a very... um, purposeful approach to training which is to to kind of focus on building my skills first um building my fitness building my exposure and then kind of hopping into racing um I think this first one was kind of like a fun like let's see what happens um but going forward I I want to kind of go into races with maybe a little bit more experience under my belt
2: Well, Mary, thank you so much for talking with us today. I think I speak for all the triathletes out there saying we are so happy to have you in the sport and um, we're excited to see what you do next. Alyssa, I have a fun story for you. I have been anxiously tracking a FedEx package that I knew included snacks and this is my favorite kind of package and I was tracking and I was tracking and... I saw the FedEx truck and I heard the dog bark and I went to go get the package and there was nothing there. And I've never been so devastated because I knew I was getting a package from that's it fruit. I knew that these were snack bars and I was so hungry and I had no idea. And so I actually, um, I did a little sneaking around. It was like dusk. And I went out and I looked around at all my neighbors' doorsteps. I felt like a citizen detective. I felt a little sketchy and I didn't find it. I had no idea. I didn't find it. So the next day I was like dejected. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I went for a run and I came back and a box was sitting on my driveway, just sitting there. A and I, American I was like-
1: it back. <laughs>
2: You had the right address and everything. And I don't know what happened, but I ravenously, like, I was going to, I should have filmed something for Instagram or social media, but I just cut it open and I immediately ate a that's it blueberry and apple fruit bar. And I felt like all was better in the world. I mean, I have, my package was actually delivered with
1: perfect timing. I didn't have to do any citizen detective work to get it. And I was enjoying the, um, what are they? The the granola like snackable snackables is that what they're called crunchables crunchables i knew it was something. i keep calling them snack but crunchables was like a really good road trip snack actually as i'm in tennessee right now i was able to enjoy that in the car and i have been eating the that's at fruit bars on the trails because i love having i often carry gummy candy or something like that but The fruit bars are actually like perfect to just throw in my pack and enjoy and takes it's like it's like a it really is like an adult fruit roll, Haley. And there's nothing more that I I like more than that kind of like sweet tooth satisfying. And now I can feel good about it when I'm satisfying my sweet tooth, because that's it. Fruit bars are super healthy. They are made from literally just fruit. So you can't get much better than that.
2: It is. Perfect ride snack, perfect run snack, perfect um, just when you're hungry from looking for packages snack. And if any of our listeners want to try That's It Fruit bars or the Crunchables on for themselves, they can hit to that'sitfruit.com forge slash ironwomen. And they use the code ironwomen and they'll get 20% off their first order. Definitely- check it out. And hopefully, you know, your delivery people are a little bit better than mine, but if they aren't, you know, someone is going to get those bars to you. <laughs> we have to, you know, we're dealing with everything we have these days, but it's worth the wait.
0: Iron Women is
1: sponsored by Try Hard. TryHard is the only company offering pre and post swim solutions
2: for comprehensive protection of your hair and body. TryHard products like the Swimmers Shampoo, Swim and Sun Face Wash, pre and post body lotion are all paraben-free, SLS-free, alcohol-free, cruelty-free, vegan, and non-GMO.
1: TryHard products are even used by an iron woman you know well, Lucy Charles Barkley.
2: Use code FEISTY15 for 15% off at tryhard.co. That's code FEISTY15 at tryhard.co. Thanks so much to Mary for coming
1: on. We are really excited to follow everything she's doing in triathlon, follow Atalanta and everything they do, see if a triathlon leg of uh, their pro women's sports team starts popping up, maybe. Um, But thanks, Mary. and. Haley, I have to ask. So you just got home after travel to South America. You were gone for about a week, I'm sure. And I was gone for about a week from my home when I traveled to Tennessee for Barkley. So I have to ask you, when you entered the house, were there any
2: living animals
1: in your house other than maybe cowboy with I sure
2: hope not. I have not been home long enough to like search everything, but my History with wild animals in my house is not a positive one, but I'm guessing this means that you did come home to a wild animal in your house. What happened? So I I can't believe we forgot this story and all of the Barkley stories that were told the other week. But yes,
1: so you get home. You know how it is. You've been gone for a week. You like just want to get home, get your stuff, get the car unpacked, do all of that. And we enter the house and I look around and I'm like, huh, it's weird. There's like kitchen utensils on the floor, like scattered and I'm like, I go in a little further, and like, pictures, like picture frames, have been knocked over onto the floor. Like things were awry, like almost as if we had been robbed, right? Like, but I was like, this makes no sense. Like who robs and like leaves everything but like scatters kitchen things <laughs> around, right? Like I'm a spatula So then I'm like wandering around a little more, and I'm like, oh no, because I see that there's bird poop. Everywhere, Healy, and so I'm like looking at the couch. There's like bird poop all over the couch. There's bird poop on everything in the living room. We just start wandering around the house, and there's literally bird poop, especially around the areas where the windows are. Like clearly, there had been a bird in the home, right? Like trying to get out, panicking, and there's just bird poop everywhere. And bird poop's like pretty disgusting. Like I don't know all the details and the science behind it, but like it's just a pain to clean up. Like you really have to clean it good. You don't, you know, like whatever. So we're like, man. But, like, the other problem is, like, where's this bird, right? Like, did he fly in and out? Like, what happened, right? So we – and Ramona had been boarded, so it's not like a dog walker or anyone had been living in the house to, like, come and take care of Ramona. Like, nothing. So we're, like, trying – we're, like, Ramona, find the bird, find the bird. She's, like, not finding it. She's kind of – you can tell something's been here, because the way she's acting, but we don't find the bird. So we clean the whole house. We're, like, well, I guess we don't see the bird, right? We, like, go up in the scary attic a little. No bird. No nothing. We hear nothing. And I'm sitting on the couch working. I'm like, man, this like feels, smells like birds still in this house. And so we go to bed. I wake up the next day. I'm like, this is it. We like can't do anything else. There's a dead bird in this house. Like it smells. We need to find it. I don't, we're going to have to tear the house apart. So I'm like, Ramona, find the bird. And she keeps like going to the couch. So I'm like, I think it's like dead in the couch. Like, I think (laughs) it climbed into the couch and it's dead. So we pull the whole couch out. We like take all the cushions, you know, we like empty the couch from the wall. And then Ramona darts. To the like floorboard heaters and we're like what and we look and you can barely see the bird lodged <sighs> into dead into the floorboard oh. heater. And we're like oh, oh no like so we actually had to like take I don't I have no idea how the bo- bird managed to get itself into the Peter like it did I mean it was it had to have climbed into like the skinniest thing and I don't know how it did it but the poor thing <sighs> passed away oh. so we had to dispose of the bird and give it a little bird funeral. Do you know um, how it got in?
2: Do you have any idea? No idea. No
1: idea. But the bad news is Haley, today I was sitting on the couch and I heard some chirping and so i go, like, oh no, is there like a bird family somewhere? And I didn't have time to deal with it today. So I just turned on some music and forgot about it for the time being. Oh.
2: <laughs> but
1: I think we have to go look in the attic. Like I think there's definitely some areas where the gutter, like the siding of the house has fallen off and things like that. So I think we have to take a good hard look and, like, get some ladders and take a look at some of that stuff. Um, because if it's a bird family, this is not good. But now I have two dogs. And I think um, Max seems like he's like a bird dog. Like, I think he's going to, like, not let any birds into the house if there's anything he can do about it. So, yeah. Um, you know, listeners get ready. Haley's mice have been a story and now it's going to be Alyssa's birds. And so oh, we're just going to I be able to tell you all the good details. Let's just
2: stick to cowboy Ramona and Max. I, the animals <laughs> we invite into our home. Oh, I'm, I hope it's, I hope it's not a whole bird family, but, um, I know yeah, that is, I hope you figure out how it got in yeah. or uh, maybe it got in like, as you were like packing up and like it flew in and you didn't notice and you just shut the door. Oh goodness. I mean, I hope that's the case, but like at the same time, I feel like
1: we would have noticed that, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We were ready to hit the road. So oh. yeah,
3: I'll, um, I'll keep you. Posted. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Alyssa keep recovering. Well, I'm excited to hear what's next for you, but keep recovering for now. Keep those legs healing. And, um, you know, again, yeah. Thanks to Mary Kane for coming on the show. It's great to have her in the sport and I look forward to, to more from everyone. What a, what a great time. <laughs>
1: And congratulations to you, Haley. Enjoy your week of championing everything. Just savor it. And I know you have some big thing races coming up in the short term here, but I hope you can take some downtime this week to celebrate in the United States, your big win. So congratulations again, and I'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa
2: Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives.
1: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.